0: I have so many memories of raising my three boys while working full time. And most of those memories, unfortunately, are of me rushing and holding on to lots of stuff. I remember heading to the car one morning, two diaper bags over this shoulder, laptop bag over that shoulder, sippy cups, glasses, can't remember what else. And Jacob was about four, and he said, I think he had a stuffed animal, mom, can you hold this? And I remember thinking, are you looking at me? I don't have a single free finger. as we turn these new telescopes out into space. I wonder even more what I've always wondered, which is how does God keep track of it all? So many of us are asking God, hold this, take that, do this, fix that. Jesus says these incredible words about prayer. He says if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. But how does that work? If the Seminoles are playing the Gators in a football game and half of them are praying for the Seminoles to win and the other half are Praying for the Gators to win, how does God figure that one out? And I have come to the conclusion that God has infinite capacity. Okay, God doesn't have two arms and two hands, God can somehow hold all this. I get that. Oh, I can get that. God is infinite, God has no limits to intimacy, no limits. That still doesn't answer this question. What about the other people that are praying? I mean, how does God answer my prayer when somebody else is asking something that would not let my prayer happen? How does that work? Does God get thrown back and forth trying to respond to everything? Take, for example, this story in the book of Genesis. Three men have appeared to Abraham, and we heard last week. They were like angels. They were God to him. They tell him he's going to have a son, and that's all wonderful. But then they start heading towards Sodom. And they say to Abraham... A lot of people have been crying out, a lot of people have been asking for the city of Sodom to be destroyed. A lot of bad stuff is going on there, so we're thinking of just wiping it out. So God is responding to people saying, this city isn't working, I'm miserable, can you do something about it? And back then, the answer was violence. So God's responding to those outcries. But meanwhile, Abraham says, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if there are 50 good people in that city? Are you sure you want to wipe it out? And the men say, well, okay, we'll spare it if there's 50 good people. Well, then what about 45? Oh, we'll spare it at 45. And this goes back and forth like a ping pong match. What about if there's 40? What about if there's 30? What about if there's 20, 15, 10? And in the end, these men say, okay, if there's 10 good people, we won't wipe out the city. They go down into Sodom, and what happens to them is horrific. Yeah. Yeah. They go down there, they stay with Lot, who's Abraham's nephew, and a crowd comes and really wants to take them out, beat them, and rape them. And Lot says, please don't do that. Here are my virgin daughters, take them instead. What? So these men take Lot and his family and they pull them out of the city, and according to the story, the whole city is wiped out. And what's really interesting is archaeologists believe that around 1500 BC, that city of Sodom, there's evidence that it burned to the ground, the whole place. We're not sure if it was volcanic or what happened, but it is gone, and it was never rebuilt. I went there, it's on the lowest place on the planet, altitude-wise, it's the lowest city on the planet, right by the Dead Sea. It is hot, it is scary, I wouldn't wanna live there. And guess what's all around the city? Do you remember the end of the story? Lot and his wife are, are going with the messengers of God and they say, don't look back, don't look back. And Lot's wife turns and looks back, and do you remember what she turns into? A pillar of salt. Well, while you're walking around near where Sodom was, guess what there are all over the place? Pillars of salt. It's weird. So all these people are asking God for all this stuff. And God says, I will destroy it, I won't destroy it, I will destroy it, I won't, and then God does. What is going on? Jesus doesn't even teach us how to say any words at all to God until the disciples actually make a request. They finally say, Lord, we need... To give us the right words to say. It's as if Jesus didn't think about words. But after their request, Jesus gives us the only prayer that we have from him, the Lord's Prayer that you all know so well. But when you think about it, what is the Lord's Prayer really? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God your, your holy, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, God, you're good, do what you want, do your will, and then feed us, give us this today our daily bread, and forgive us, and help us not to mess up too much. That's it. The prayer that Jesus gives us is so simple. Your will be done. Could you give me something to eat and forgive me? Jesus says that when it comes to answering our prayers, God is a lot like a parent. God wants to give us the good stuff. God wants to give us what we really need, what we want, just like we want to give our child everything that they deserve. What kind of a parent if a child asked for a fish would give a snake or if a child wanted an egg would give a scorpion Jesus says we want to do what, what is good for our children and God wants to do what's good for you but what is good for you especially when it comes to all the other billions of people that are asking for stuff how does it make sense Or can it ever make sense to our small human minds? You know, in the end, the things that I remember most about those years when I was working and raising my little kids was every day when I got to church, I would go into the chapel and be quiet just for a moment. And those moments of silence, they, they are burned into my memory in a way that the rest of it just blurs together. I think it's great. Ask for anything you want and know that you will be given it. You will be given the Holy Spirit. Will you be given exactly what you ask for? Probably not, because we don't know what we need best. But will you be given something? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I find that over the years, the kind of prayer that really feeds me the most is when I finally stop asking. When I sit there and realize that God already knows what I want. God already hears everything from all of us. And in those rare moments when I can really sit in silence and listen, something much deeper happens, something better than just getting what I want. Jesus says, if you ask, you will receive. And at the very end of this text, he says, the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit. If you pray, I do know one thing that you're definitely going to get. You're going to get God. You're going to get more of God the more you spend time with God, no matter what you say or do, or maybe even you can be quiet for a minute, but the more you pray, the more God will be with you. And that, my friends, whether we know it or not, is what we really need. Amen.